0: Hi guys, my name is Zubair and this is the Mina Bites Podcast. Welcome to the second episode. In the first segment, I'll be talking about the biggest stories from last week. The first one we have is Kareem getting into food delivery space. It was first announced when Kareem made the acquisition of a Dubai-based restaurant listing platform called Round Menu earlier this year, but at that time, there were no details that were shared by the company. Now, last week, a Reuters piece claimed that Kareem is going to spend $150 million from the new investment that it is trying to raise, a $500 million round that was also reported by Reuters, if I remember correct, earlier this year. So they will be using 150 from this investment to actually expand into food delivery services. They've already started the whole thing. They've already started the process. They're currently hiring in different countries uh, for this business, for this division of their business. The piece, the Reuters piece claimed that they're, they're going to start it off from Pakistan, and then they will be expanding into rest of the region including UAE, Saudi, Egypt, and then some other countries as well. Now, this is very interesting because food delivery space is already very crowded, especially in UAE, Saudi, and to some extent in Egypt and Pakistan as well. In UAE, you have tens of different players currently doing it from local players to the international ones, but it is pretty crowded. So it is very interesting to see that Kareem is also jumping on this bandwagon where everyone is you know, trying to get a piece of this market. But what's important to understand here is that already has some pieces of this puzzle figured out they have been into deliveries on-demand deliveries for more than a year in UAE and Saudi they've been trying to work on similar products in some other markets including Egypt and Pakistan as I have heard there's no confirmation on that so they they do have some idea about on-demand deliveries they obviously have a network of captains that they can utilize whenever they like for uh, the food delivery space they have made this acquisition of round menu so they have some of these pieces figured out it is not going to be as difficult as someone new entering a market someone completely new i'm, I'm talking about a startup i'm not really talking about an international player getting expanding into the region so kareem is obviously in a in a in a a very good position here and it would be interesting to see if they can actually use all these things to their advantage because again the space is very crowded and even if they have all these things figured out it will still be a very difficult job to to get to get a good market share to to actually make an impact in this space so we'll have to wait to see if that happens the next story that we have is noon expanding its presence to China now this story was misunderstood by a lot of people in the region and I think it's because there's so many of us who have this habit of Just reading the titles, the headlines from social media, maybe on Facebook, on Twitter and not even clicking on the link to actually understand what's going on. Just read the headline and, you know, you have the whole thing figured out in your mind and you start talking about it already. So... Now, when you actually see the headlines saying Noon launches in China or Noon expands presence to China, it suggests that they're probably going to sell in China, which is not the case. They're expanding presence in China to source products and get Chinese brands, more Chinese brands on their marketplace who would actually be selling their customers and to the noon customers in UAE and Saudi that's where they are present at the moment that's where noon is at the moment so noon is expanding presence in 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 form of getting uh, some people there getting some people to China who will probably be based in China currently they don't really have an office there but they plan to open an office that's what the statement said they plan to open an office very soon So that is going to happen to help Noon get more Chinese brands and more Chinese suppliers, sellers onto the Noon platform so they could offer a wider range than their competitors to the consumers, to the customers in Middle East, in Saudi and UAE. The third story of the day that we have is Hajj Hackathon. with support of Google and in collaboration with Egypt's Rise Up is organizing this Hajj Hackathon next month in Jeddah it would be held from 1st August to 3rd August and they're claiming that it would be the largest event of its kind where they will bring more than 3,000 innovators, developers, designers from all around the world, who will be building solution around challenges, around different challenges that are either faced by the government or the pilgrims themselves during the Hajj. There are more than two million pilgrims that visit Saudi every year to perform Hajj. So this could be a very big opportunity. There are some big prizes for the winners. The some the person or the individual or the team that is that is going to win the first prize will be taking home 1 million Saudi real in exchange of 15% equity in the product that they will make the second team or individual will get 500,000 Saudi real and the third team would be getting 350,000 Saudi real these prizes are, are very big and never heard of in a hackathon that has taken place here in Middle East and North Africa so it, it's a pretty big event and if you are somebody who can build these solutions you should probably try your luck and apply for for, for the event apply to to take part in the hackathon I think the deadline for applications is later this week or maybe even today it's probably 17th july but i'm not exactly sure it's probably today but i'm not i'm not exactly sure i'll share the link to the hackathon and to the story we did on the hackathon so you can learn the details and see if it is something you would like to apply for now a little bit about startups that raised investments last week the first one is saidel Not sure if that is the correct pronunciation, from Saudi. It's an online pharmacy aggregator. It has different pharmacies on its platform. And so people can download the application on their Android or iOS phones. And they can search for the medicines or they can just browse through different Categories to find the medicines that they're looking for or the other products other health products uh, beauty products that they're looking for and then When they have added these products to their card, they'll have to upload a prescription and after uploading the prescription they can just check out and these products these medicines will be delivered at their doorstep in some cases within 2 hours the services their services are available across different cities in saudi and including riyadh and jeddah now what's interesting is that they've raised uh, a seven figure seed round which is still not very common here in, in saudi at least it's becoming a norm in in the middle east in the in, in the middle east and north africa but still not very common in in Saudi I mean in UAE it it has become it has become almost a common thing not in Saudi though so this this is the first startup that has raised investment the next one is POS rocket from Jordan it's a cloud-based point of sale system that has presence in Jordan and Egypt at the moment but their product is being used In some other countries as well including Saudi and UAE so they sell their point of sale systems to food outlets to retailers and it obviously comes with their uh, cloud-based I mean the solution comes packaged with the hardware as well What, what they're using right now is iPad so if if you're a retailer and you request the full solution you can do that you can probably have the hardware you can probably have the hardware already and they will just configure the whole thing on it The it, it's not even going to be configured because it's a, it's a cloud-based system very easy to use very easy to run so pretty cool startup from Jordan they had raised I think 650,000 last year and this is It has not been 12 months since they raised that round. So they're probably doing good. They're probably doing great, actually, to to be able to attract investors again in in such a short time. And uh, so, yeah, these were the two startups that raised investments during the last week. And now, in the last segment, where I am supposed to speak about something anything around startups in the region I have a guest this week so there's this little change already they, they're going to be talking about term sheets and more it's not a very detailed session it's more of a quick overview on the thing so just give it a listen and please do share fe- your feedback about how i should invite guests and i mean what they should be talking about when they come on the episodes should it be should it be details or should it be them sharing their stories of how they how they're building their startups or how they got into venture capital or what exactly do you want to listen from guests on on these episodes i will be inviting as many as possible in the future but i still don't have. There, I, I still don't have it all figured out. So I'd I'd love your feedback on this. I think I forgot to mention how much money has POS Rocket raised. It's one point five million dollar. If I actually forgot to mention that, one point five million dollar. Okay, so I have here with me Abdulaziz Hayat. Uh, he's a VC associate at Kuwait's Faith Capital, a VC fund based out of Kuwait. So let's just let's just go ahead and ask Abdulaziz some questions about term sheets and how startups should negotiate. Early-stage startups should negotiate their terms with when speaking with VCs. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Abdulaziz. Uh, if you can please introduce yourself quickly, and then we'll move to the questions.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so. Um... I think he did the lion's share there. I'm Aziz Hayat, Faith Capital here in Kuwait. Um, so uh, Faith Capital is a VC practice based in Kuwait City. We uh, tend to focus on GCC and MENA. Um, looking at pure software plays, we do web and mobile, um, both enterprise and consumer, looking for ways we can typically you know, uh, add value or, or, or help our founders grow their business. Um so uh given a, a little bit about our background is we were uh w- we were started by the uh you could say the alumni of uh, the founding alumni of Talabat Abdulaziz and Darzis right. and Jaffa. Um right. as of uh, yeah as of right now so uh, our portfolio consists of two uh companies which are basically acting as subsidiaries as we have control which is actually not the standard operating paradigm for us going in the future those are the two exceptions. Right. Uh, one is just clean, and the other is flowered. So the first being the laundry marketplace, and the second is a uh, e-commerce uh, flowers delivery business. Uh, sure. We have one more conventional VC investment in our portfolio right now. Um, that is Crowd Analyzer. Um, Crowd yeah. Analyzer is right. a uh, yes, it's an Arabic social media marketing uh, uh, toolkit that's all built around natural language processing in Arabic uh, dialects, various Arabic dialects. Right. So. Um, yeah I'm, I'm happy to give you uh, some insight into the uh, term sheets you know drafting negotiation assumption sort of process um is there anything you'd like to know about in particular Sure sure absolutely so before we move on to that let's just
0: give let's just get some idea about the kind of startups uh, that faith capital is willing to invest in so if somebody is listening and they would like to pitch their their startup to you they could they could do that uh, so you are GCC and Mina you, you're focusing on startups all around the region or is there is it only in gcc first of all
1: uh, gcc and MENA, we've seen them from each of the gcc countries um, occasionally we get uh, inquiries from uh, from the levant area uh, mainly lebanon and jordan we get quite a right. few coming in from egypt uh, Right. there's so much engineering talent out there uh, so the gist of it really is we're we're sort of agnostic on a lot of these um, um, a lot of these criteria even uh, on so the long as it's, uh, sorry
0: even on the verticals, I mean, you you're agnostic about them as well. If it could be from from anything, as long as it's technology or tech enabled.
1: Correct. Either proprietary right. technology or a uh, tech-enabled uh, existing business model, enterprise, consumer, whatever it may be, we'll have a look. Right. Okay.
0: Okay. That's great. Uh, so let's just move on to the questions. So let's say if I were a if I were an early stage uh, startup. And I'm speaking to the investors for the first time and I'm negotiating uh, the terms and the investors are obviously interested in the product. Uh, I have an MVP with some fraction and they're they are uh, we're negotiating the terms. What would be your first advice to me if I come to Aziz? I mean, uh, forget that you're working for Faith Capital. Let's uh, coming from a VC associate to to a startup, to an early stage startup, what would be your first advice when negotiating terms?
1: My my primary advice, especially when you're talking about a term sheet so early in the company's history, when there are so many considerations um, that you, so many questions you have to ask yourself before you really commit to not just signing a term sheet, but but you know actually selecting the few VCs you you may or may not want to work with. Uh, right. First of all, the, the term sheet is. Um, it's important not to approach it in sort of an adversarial mindset. Um, It's true that, you know, at the end of the day, this is a legal document and there's two sides of the table and everyone's looking out for their best interest. But at the end of the day, you know, this is this is a partnership, a long term partnership that you're going to have with someone who you expect to materially enhance and aid your business aside from just writing a check. So the term sheet revolves around a number of items, including legality, compliance, uh, matters of control, um, shareholder rights, and then, of course, there's the money and the valuation. Sure. So um, right off the bat, I think most people's eyes will dart immediately towards the the valuation and uh, sure. sort of the right. pre and post money cap table, what that's going to look like. You know, just doing right. a quick mental math of what do I hold before and after. Um, right. I'm, I of course, I, I won't sit here and say that's not important. It is, however. Um, you have to sort of weigh the math um, again in your mind at the negotiating table and when speaking with your advisors and with your co-founders of what are we giving up versus what are we getting. Uh, right. So valuation aside, there are some legal considerations like are you opting for debt? Are you opting for equity? Um, right. long, longer term, there are things that may affect your operations. Sort of, uh, will this person take a seat on my board and push strategy in a way that I'm not happy with? Um, if they do push strategy in a way that I am happy with, do they have the skill set necessary to judge what really is in the best favor or in the best interest of my business? Um, there are various other matters that will also come into play. For example, um, especially early on, there are things like employee shareholding plans. Uh, so you know, carved out amounts for, so that you could actually be well equipped to hire and retain good talent. Um, There are matters of how to settle disputes and challenges that tends to be something we tend to go back and forth on. um, Not quite a bit, I'd say, but I think that early on, most people definitely want some clarity on the matter. Um, There's, uh, of course, the standard legal of maintaining um, good corporate governance, um, making sure there were no red flags in the past in that respect, um, making sure legal structure is all in order. All the paperwork is, is, you know, all the ducks are in a row in that sense. There's a matter of um, voting and uh, information rights uh, for all shareholders. Um, so, yeah, there, there's quite a bit that goes into it aside from from valuation. But at the end of the day, it, it's a matter of how much control are you giving up um, and what are you getting in response? And is that price that you're paying in terms of equity, in terms of dilution, worth the value add? Sure, sure.
0: And uh, mm-hmm. if I'm an early stage startup, what would be your advice in terms of how much i should how much I should be willing to dilute myself in the beginning because a lot of startups make this mistake they uh, first of all yes, we are seeing a lot of startups going for convertible notes or safe notes here in the region, but there are still some that actually uh, end up going for an equity round even in the beginning. so mm-hmm. what would be your advice in terms of choosing between uh, a safe note or an equity round, and then when you are actually going for an equity round? how much you should be willing to dilute yourself in what's going to be the first external funding round for your company, which is obviously an early stage with some traction with some users and revenue.
1: Right. So uh, very early on, uh, like you said, there are some people who do opt for equity. I would chalk that up to just the the many founders in the region being more comfortable with that as a form of of, uh, financing Um, convertible debt Conceptually, I think generally for for smaller, newer businesses tech or non-tech in the region it, it is sort of a, a new idea and we don't have something as standardized as a safe. The nice thing about convertible instruments is is you, you're not outright agreeing to evaluation of the business from the outset, because given the little traction and the little revenue you have, it's a little difficult to come up with a number. Sure. Yeah. Um, right. So that early on. Um, Uh, what I would, what I would suggest most people do is to go for a convertible of some kind. Right. And, um, apologies. What was the second half of your question?
0: If, if they are actually going for an equity round, how much they should be willing to dilute themselves out of the company? I mean, what, what is the maximum number that you would put on that?
1: Right. Yeah. So the rule of thumb, you know, I've seen and heard in in, in practice here and there is like 20 to 30%. Right. No more than 20 to 30%. Sure. Um, but that's not to say that the economics would favor only a twenty to thirty percent dilution. Um, if, uh, if, uh, for example, your startup may be fledgling, if it's a, if it's a down round between pre-seed and seed, um, if there's been a failure to deliver on a lot of key milestones, uh, twenty to thirty might be l- lucky. So uh, I, I wouldn't get too hung up on numbers and really focus on the math of what you're giving up and what you're getting in return.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so. Convertible, try to get a convertible, first of all. If that is not possible, I mean, you can obviously go for an equity round and an equity round. Don't try to focus too much on numbers. But if it is an option, something between 20 to 30% is reasonable when you're, when you're raising your, your first round.
1: Yeah. And on the terms of the convertible, very early on, what we tend to see generally is, uh, at least by international standards, uh, you, you would kind of go for a discount in the 20% range. Right. And uh, the valuation cap on the note is usually in the five million-ish, give or take one or two million. Um, again, it's based on a number of uh, factors that may or may not contribute to your overall valuation perception. At least to the VC, it'll change from person to person depending on who you ask. Um, for for people who are very familiar with you know valuations in general of obscure instruments, there is no equivalent of like a Black Scholes model. Um, if you're not familiar with that, you can search it on Wikipedia. But th- the point is, there aren't a number of factors I can input into a formula and get a definitive number out of the other end,
0: right? Sure, okay. So, now a lot of early stage startups here in the region, uh, especially those in pre seed, or maybe you know, even some beyond that, are going to for accelerators, joining different programs. And there have been a lot of programs lately. A lot of international accelerators are also coming to the region. There are some that are planning to come to the region. So when, when they're actually speaking to accelerators, I, I don't think they have uh, the same flexibility of negotiating the terms because accelerators, most of the times have these uh, fixed terms that you can probably take if you like. If you don't, you, you, you would not become a part of the program. So do you have any specific advice when joining an accelerator or how they should try to choose uh the best accelerator for their startup because it's it's not only about money uh when when they're joining an accelerator I mean even in case of uh getting an investment from VC but in accelerator it's it's. Mm-hmm. I mean they have to base their decision on different things so what would be your advice on on this when they're when they're looking for accelerators to to
1: apply to First of all, let's talk about the mindset of someone who would go to accelerator in the first place Um, A it it likely means that this is not your second or third startup after a number of successful exits Um, People heading towards accelerators are looking to build the baseline of skill sets necessary for the growth of a very low-end startup At least to survive to a point where series A is is a reasonable expectation Um, So accelerators at the end of the day are going to help you do one of three things a they're either really going to accelerate the rate at which you create and deploy products Right. Um, another thing they're going to help you do is grow the number of users relevant um, in a particular product. Uh, maybe they can help a bit in the marketing space or in the product optimization space to kind of boost those KPIs. And finally another thing they could do is really help you boost um, revenue in the event that you have the previous two bases covered. Sure. Um, again, if you're going for help with one of those three things, you're likely not a, a, a Wall Street or, or Silicon Valley veteran. Um, so the way a lot of these accelerators tend to, um, you know, put in equity capital is sort of a set percentage. Um, I think it's sure. like 100,000 for 7% exactly, at a number yeah. of Silicon right. Valley. Right. Right. So, again, you're not in the position of strength. And there is usually a great disparity of force in terms of, in terms of uh, the, the experience and the lending hand that they can, that they can offer you. Um, Typically, it tends to be a good deal, but uh, the the issue with accelerators, actually not just in the region, but internationally, um, I I think you would have to look at the incentive. I mean, if if they're in there to really, if they're acting on a profit motive and trying to truly build a great sustainable business, and there are other accelerators that are kind of just charity projects with a PR aspect, um, I'm I'm taking great care not to mention any specific names, whether regionally or internationally, because I don't think it's prudent for a person in my position to do so. But every founder really has to sit down and aside from looking at what they're offering is you have to look at what their incentive is and what the experience of the team members on the accelerators happens to be and how that can play into your um, greater expectations and plans for your startup. Sure, sure. Great advice. Uh, Anything else that you would
0: like to share with early stage startups who are perhaps struggling right now making these decisions about uh, approaching VCs and trying to get investment from them, any any kind of advice uh, that you would like to conclude with?
1: Uh, yes, actually. Even prior to uh, myself becoming a VC and even prior to my involvement with startups at all, there's one um, really excellent book um, that I've read on the subject of uh, negotiating term sheets and really trying to understand what goes on in the mind of a VC prior to putting pen to paper. Uh, it's called Venture Deals. Venture um, it's written by uh, Brad Feld, and I, I, I can't seem to remember the name of the co-author, but it's, um, it's really the go-to book um, with respect to negotiating term sheets and understanding the VC universe, at least in terms of the legalities and the offers that are made. So I would implore really anyone who's looking to either start a startup or join a startup in a sort of a financial or fundraising capacity to really just take a moment and really pore over that book.
0: Sure, sure. I'll try to find it, and I'll try to put a link uh, in the description of the podcast. Thank you so much, Aziz. It was great talking to you and look forward to speaking again. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a good one. Sure thing. Take care. You too. Bye.
0: So that's it for this week. I'll see you guys the next week. And thank you so much to all of you who actually shared their feedback. Please keep it coming. And especially to those who reached out to me showing their interest in actually joining the podcast i have gotten back to some of you but there are still some that i've i've not responded to i'll I'll most probably do that this week later this week probably on the weekend uh but yeah thank you so much thanks a lot and i'll see you guys the next week thank you